This is the Future of Security Operations podcast brought to you by Tynes. This show is dedicated to empowering SecOps leaders to reimagine how their teams work so they can scale their security efforts and build a team that achieves more with less. In each episode, we'll learn from a security leader who has found a way to free their team from tedious manual tasks and remove the barriers that are preventing them from doing high value strategic work that truly matters. We'll learn from their mistakes, distill their best practices, and leave you with actionable insights that you can immediately put to work with your team. I'm your host, Thomas Kinsler, COO and co-founder of Tynes. Now, let's jump right into today's show. Hi, everyone. This week, I'm delighted to be joined on the Future of Security Operations podcast by Yanon Kostika, co-founder and VP of product at Wiz, the leading cloud infrastructure security platform that enables organizations to identify and remove the most pressing risks in the cloud. With more than 15 years of experience in cybersecurity and product development, Yanon is a true expert in building new security solutions and protecting organizations through digital transformation. On top of that, he has a master's degree in computer networking, defense technologies and systems, and operations research. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Thomas, for having us. It's a real pleasure. Um, before we get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and some of the uh, yeah some of the work that you've done in in the Israeli Defense Force and and how you got into cybersecurity. Yeah, uh, well, so like every good story about uh, uh, Israeli founders, we started uh, really in the IDF, right? So the AT200, uh, which is the equivalent of the uh, NSA, it's uh, very tech-oriented, very cyber-oriented. So uh, I got there uh, when I was uh, very young, and uh, uh, actually it was early days of cyber when cyber wasn't even used as a term, right? So mm-hmm. early 2000. So um, basically, this is when uh, I got introduced. Uh, to uh, security and uh, cyber specifically. And uh, in general, um, I've served more than 10 years there and uh, we we left and then we founded uh, our first company, uh, which was uh, Adalom. Adalom mm-hmm. was in the uh, CASB space. So actually securing uh, SAS, that was uh, uh, the new thing for organizations. Organizations started using more of uh, the Salesforces and the ServiceNows and the Office 365s and the like. And then it became a, a big topic on how, how are we supposed to secure it? Um, most of the solutions back then were about uh, blocking SaaS, right, or mm-hmm. encrypting the SaaS. So not really embracing. At Adalom, we took a very different approach. We basically embraced SaaS. Uh, we provided tools to monitor and uh, uh, have visibility into the SaaS so uh, you can uh, securely uh, use it at scale. Uh, Microsoft really liked that uh, point of view. And in 2015, we were acquired uh, by Microsoft, and we started there the uh, what what was called the Cloud Security Group. So basically, running the security externally facing cloud security products. Uh, that of course, uh, Adalom was the basis for one of them, but uh, uh, many more were created to secure cloud identities and to secure uh, cloud infrastructure and so on. And um, basically, also looking at the internal. Uh, security uh, of uh, Microsoft's cloud. So this was a a really interesting uh, period. We stayed almost five years uh, creating and building that cloud security group. And then uh, March 1st, 2020, uh, just uh, two weeks before COVID, uh, we uh, left to found uh, Wiz, 
Wiz is a, a cloud infrastructure security company. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, connects to your cloud uh, uh, environments such as AWS, Azure, GCP, Kubernetes, and the like, in order to provide the builders and the security teams with a, a much better insights on how to build them more secure and uh, reduce the risks that they have. So this is a bit about uh, the journey that we've we've been through. That's yeah, it's an amazing journey, and it's obviously uh, it's obviously you know great to hear that you've you know, done this before. You've been a founder, well, you've been involved in that. I suppose founding a founding process before, been acquired, uh, and then like I suppose taking that and you know started obviously an incredibly successful uh, second uh, second startup. How did you decide, or how did you like how did that decision come about? That actually, you know what, like this is you know we've done it before, but we want to like Microsoft is great, but. We want to we want to kick off. We want to try this again. And I know you 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 the, the same team seems to have stuck together throughout the entire process. Yeah, actually, it's the same team that uh, we we know each other for uh, more than twenty years now, right? So it's wow. uh, a team that goes uh, uh, a long a long time and a long journey together. Um, and I think that uh, um, basically, you know, we we always had that. Uh, um, Feel that we want to create, we want to build, we want to be in a new, 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 like you know, our, to be the new thing. And uh, to be honest, when we were acquired into Microsoft, we we thought it's going to be a short journey, but uh, we ended up staying uh, five years because Microsoft is really a fantastic place and allowed yeah. us really the you know the independence to build. Uh, the the products, the security group that we we envisioned, right? So we actually stayed uh, uh, much more than the you know the typical uh, two year uh, vesting journey, or whatever. Yeah, two year uh, time that uh, you're you're expected to do. And I think that uh, um, basically we we always love building the infrastructure and the tooling that really solve hard problems. Uh, after five years at Microsoft, we felt like you know we we need a new uh, a new thing, like to to go into and build something new. Uh, an interesting story. Uh, we started actually with another, a very different idea, where mm-hmm. than where we started. We started with cloud networking, and uh, very quickly we had the, a process where we realized that we we basically there is a much bigger need in uh, in, in cloud infrastructure visibility and risk assessment. But uh, it's worth mentioning. For uh, you know, for the startups out there that are listening in, uh, for the entrepreneurs uh, that we started with a very different idea, but through listening, we actually got to where we are today. So the decision was really about you know we wanted to be together again as a team and build something from scratch and solve a tough problem uh, that has uh, and make an impact, and that's what brought us together again. Yeah, that's fab. And I, I I listened to yeah, listened to a couple of podcasts uh, with you that the. There's an episode of the, I think, the Traction podcast that you talk about that pivot and that decision. And it's really, I definitely recommend anybody, uh, anybody listening to, uh, to go check it out. It's kind of fascinating to hear, like, yeah, just like three months in, like, all right, this is, uh, this is actually something that's a, a slightly different, uh, slightly different problem that we're going to solve that's related, but that there seems to be a lot more demand for it. And it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating story. I want to dive into the, uh, I want to dive into the team uh, a bit later on, but I want to like learn a little bit about that, you know, the security journey as well. So obviously, you know, like Casby uh, was uh, like, you know, Casby was and still is a really, uh, really interesting area. And then you got incredible visibility to what that looks like at scale in Microsoft. But how have you seen like security evolve over the last, you know, 20 years, I suppose? Yeah, I think it's basically, if you, you look at the end result, I think that the security industry has evolved 
tremendously over the past two decades in uh, the ability to measure what is an impact, right? So mm-hmm. I think that we're seeing more and more teams focusing on the business impact that security brings to the table. And part of it is security becoming like a C-level C discussion, right? So mm-hmm. today, it's obvious that being secured and uh, investing uh, in the right places to be secure is top priority for organizations. And I think it drives a really healthy discussion on how do we measure security? How do we assess the impact of the different security tooling that we have in the security team? And I think that this is probably the most maturing factor like KPI that you can see in the market. So when you see, how do I think about security in my organization? I want to see the teams being enabled to do more. I want to see, I'm not counting how many alerts I'm seeing. I'm seeing like, am I really secure? How do I measure this? How do I bring value to the business, not blocking them? And I think that that's at the top level. And when you look at the practicalities, how do we achieve it? There are two dimensions that we're seeing continuous improvement. And it's really interesting to measure security by by these lens. I think that one is a level of automation that we get to. So how much of what we do is actually happening out of the box without uh, humans uh, doing the you know the work because as much as we automate we are able to take more actions to use leverage more insights out of the box rather than uh, crafting them ourselves the second dimension that um, always like you cannot underestimate is who takes part of the security a journey of the organization? Is it only the security team, but do you have more and more teams that are uh, also uh, becoming part of it? So becoming part of the security, security journey can be developers that are proactive about the security of their apps. It can be end users that are proactive about uh, their email security and their, you know, what they use and so on. And um, I think that these two dimensions of one, the automation level, and second, the democratization of security to the rest of the organization are key in uh, really measuring how uh, mature your security operation uh, uh, is in the organization. Yeah, I, I really want to dive in on that, and I, I know I was gonna I was gonna ask you a little bit more about that that later, but like I'd love to yeah dive in on it, dive in on a, li- a little bit now. Like so, so at times we talk about a lot and obviously we're we're in the automation space we talk about a lot about the importance of meeting teams where they're at so that could be meeting the engineers where they're at meeting the it teams uh or like uh like yeah developers where they're at and making sure that you know we're giving them all of the information they need to make the decision and to empower them to make the or empower business leaders to make business decisions uh rather than the security team dictating or the security team like just throwing information over the wall which definitely used to be a bit of a uh a, a bit of a challenge um you know, with Wiz, it seems that you've come up with this like great self-serve model. How do you guide security teams to like approach this in their organization? Like, how, how do you get started with this? Yeah, it's it's a great uh, question. I think that you know, when I work with customers, uh, the hardest thing is to convince the teams that it's gonna be okay sending the Wiz issues directly to the engineering yeah. teams, and they won't hammer them, right? Uh, I think this is the key because for years, and you've mentioned it to yourself, for years, security, you know, we were running as a, an industry, we were running scanners and we found stuff, but we weren't really good at prioritizing and crystallizing what is the true issue? What is the root cause? What do I need to do about it as a non-security user? And I think that in order to secure specifically in cloud infrastructure, uh, you 
the security has very little context into what is the intent, what is good, what is bad. And the best decision makers, like you've mentioned, are the, the, is a business, is a development team. And what we, our responsibility as security teams should be to really provide them one highly correlated, crystal clear risks that they need to address. And we need to make it very simple to understand what is a problem, why is it risky, and what do I need to do about it? What we learned at WIS, that when you do it, including visuals, including in a very simplified way that really brings down the noise, the development teams and the business react super well. Yeah. They are excited to see this uh, uh, crystal clear call to action. What do I need to do in order to be more secure? And I think that that drives in the end like the self-service model. And uh, there is much that goes into it because if you think about what are the key enablers? So one, you need to be able to have full visibility without, you know, uh, without, you know, just getting everyone uh, uh, to deploy stuff without the operational overhead. So how do you get infinite visibility without the operational overhead? Second is how do you correlate the signal and truly prioritize? And then how do you explain very complex problems in five seconds to understand? So how do you visualize it in a way that makes it clear and uh, uh, makes it actionable? And I think that these are the three key elements uh, that are required before uh, you you can really democratize or create a self-service model. So I suppose like it's clear communication then is like you know giving them giving them all the information up front, giving them the visuals is really uh, like is is really important. How, how did you I suppose how did Wiz go about making that easier than anybody else? Why hasn't somebody done this before? What was the uh, like what was your approach that was completely different, or was it so, just just better executed? Um, no, actually, there are many technology advancements that uh, uh, made it possible. The first mm-hmm. one really is the ability to run security in the cloud completely agentlessly. Yeah. This is magic because what it means is that within minutes, you can connect to any cloud environment and gain full visibility, not only to the configuration, but literally to any workload that is running there, whether it's a VM, it's a container, it's a serverless function, it's a PaaS database, it's a bucket. Wiz can can within literally minutes to deploy your entire cloud environment, regardless of which cloud, which architecture you use. And guess what? The engineering team wouldn't even uh, know about it in terms they won't need to do anything about it. They won't notice any uh, any impact or, or whatsoever. And it just works. That's really a technology that enables so much of the goodness that we provide, but it's only the beginning, right? Uh, the second technology is a, a use of graph technologies to correlate all of the different signals that we run in a way that is, one, deterministic, and second, very uh, uh, clear to understand. So when we describe a risk, it's not just, hey, here is a critical risk. It's actually an attack path that can be visualized, can be explained, and is deterministic in the sense that it's not random. No one can question whether it's, a, you know, it's a false positive. It's there. It's mm-hmm. it's factually proved one, you know, piece by piece. So you can actually see the attack path. And I think that both capabilities are really what made it uh, uh, possible and weren't available if you look like these uh, capabilities weren't available even five years uh, uh, back or even three years back, not at the scales that we operate in. 
Uh, yeah, and I, I want to I want to touch on scale in a second as well. And um, one of the things just to, like that we've heard, we've got a a, bu- a bunch of mutual customers, but is the sheer joy that people get from it actually working in minutes. That you know that your customers they deploy and then yeah, like ten minutes later they actually do have like actionable insights that they can pass on. Uh, that's I wish I could say like with times we've got a whole load of a whole load of use cases that are able to be uh, that effective, but just. Uh, yeah, I suppose that delight that people get is very, very rare in the space. And what's even more rare, though, is that you're able to do it for some of the most sophisticated customers that you would imagine have like incredible, like, yeah, visibility into their cloud already. But you somehow managed to get something like 20 of the Fortune 100 customers in your first two years. I suppose, how did you, how did you go about that? How did you approach the, the challenge of like, actually, we're going to go after these you know, these massive customers and then we're going to, yeah, we're going to build a product that works for them rather than just, you know, for the more typical cybersecurity startup approach, which is a little bit more, you know, hey, we'll find a, we'll find a sweet spot in the, the middle and go up. Yeah, actually, when we, because it was our second uh, uh, startup, we really, we, we wanted to start at the top, right? We, we yeah. wanted to push hard. And I think that uh, I would actually talk about the experience in Microsoft for a second. I think okay. that working at Microsoft really shows you like how, like the most complex, the largest cloud organizations and how they operate. And what we have experienced in Microsoft is taking a product that we've built in the, you know, in the startup way, uh, Adalom, and actually scaling it up to uh, hundreds of millions of users uh, at Microsoft and really seeing what does it take to build an enterprise-grade product. And when you mm-hmm. do it, uh, when we started with, we basically took all of these insights and we built it, built them at the get-go, right? So I think a few examples. One, when we think about scale, scale is something that you have to have at the core of the product from the very first moment that you start developing it. If you don't think scale at the first moment, it's going to break very fast and then you're going to invest 10x in scaling it out, right? So scale is one of these things. Second, a very powerful RBAC mechanism. Um, RBAC is role-based access, right? So mm-hmm. allowing uh, organizations to define who can access what. Um, that's something that we ingrained into the product very early on because we wanted uh, enterprises, largest ones, to basically uh, democratize access, right? Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make it part of the platform. And... A bunch of these decisions, uh, insights, basically, that we we turned into a product reality, I think these are the uh, elements that created a product that when enterprise uh, Fortune 100 companies connected, and as you said, the time to value is as important as the value in itself, mm-hmm. because the experience is that, you know, with all the skepticism in the air, uh, you have a, a security team of, uh, you know, Fortune 100, they've seen everything, but the ability you know, to then show them after five minutes uh, deployment process, they just provision a role, they plug it into the Wiz, they go have coffee, they come back like uh, an hour later and they see critical risks in their cloud environment that they couldn't see, definitely not automatically earlier, right? Out of the box appearing there, I think that's a aha moment. And when they see it, they realize that this, this is something that will allow them to automate. Again, it's all about the automate. It allows them to automate uh, manual processes that they had and couldn't scale up until they had a solution like Wiz. And second, they realize that it allows them to change their cloud operating model 
from being very centralized security to being a democratized security that will enable the business. And I think that these two realizations, even within the Fortune 100, and you're right, they had everything in place and they're very mature teams, but seeing the ability to really leapfrog years uh, ahead with a solution like uh, Wiz in these two dimensions, really this is what clicked. Um, and the more mature the organization, I I'll say, the easier it is to understand the, the business impact, right? Because now they yeah. can actually get it, they see it happening. This was their vision, and basically Wiz helped them implement it. Another point that I will mention that the timing was also very interesting. If you remember, COVID was a year, right, where one, uh, I think it was uh, very um, uh, near the SolarWinds case where I think yeah. many, many organizations realized that that's it. Cyber is something that, you know, we have to invest in. Remote is something that we have to invest in. Like there, we cannot have any discounts on our security posture, right? And I think that that was one realization in 2020. And the other thing is really the, um, um, I think the the remove like the demo democratization in the sense of everything will now become decentralized, right? We cannot block it now. Everyone, you know, it's COVID. The cloud is out there. We're gonna use it. Development teams will do whatever they want. We need to help them do the right things, right? And I think that these two things were very timely in 2020 were key themes that, uh, you know, uh, accelerated the adoption of Wiz. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like, yeah, you can security can't say no in these circumstances because the business has to move forward. And yeah, COVID was definitely a a, a unique approach to that. The other, the other obviously advantage of going to those like large Fortune 100 uh, companies, they also have more budget for uh, for a tool and are prepared to uh, prepared to pay for it. And it's like because they're able to put a, a really good monetary value on uh, on the, the problem that you're uh, that you're solving. And um, I, I want to dive into one or two of the challenges you talked about visibility. Um, there and the importance of democratizing, but what are some of the other, I suppose, specific challenges that maybe some other smaller companies or, uh, yeah, people that are like starting to lead security teams uh, in like fast growing tech startups? Like, what are some of the specific challenges that are hard for them when approaching the cloud? Yeah, I think that uh, in the cloud, uh, the main challenge is how to establish visibility at the pace of the business, right? Mm -hmm. So you never want to be behind the business in the sense that you need to be informed about something that is happening uh, in order for you to secure it. Because if that's the case, it's not going to work. Um, maybe it worked like in the past, maybe when uh, you know IT was centralized. Today, it's not going to happen. So the big question is really asking yourself, what, which which visibility tools, which guardrails can I put mm -hmm. in place that when something happens, I'll know about it. And there are many different aspects to it, right? One is, uh, of course, a runtime visibility solution, but you should also think about a deployment, like a CSCD visibility. What are the images that I'm bringing to the cloud? You don't have to block it. You don't have to, but you have to know what's going into your cloud through your pipelines, right? So you have to bring the proper uh, visibility mechanisms to your organization. So at least you are informed without talking to anybody. That's number one challenge. And the second challenge that I see is really about uh, um, how there are so many things to do. How do I prioritize my cloud security program? Yeah. And this is a challenge that I'm seeing Times and again, 
And I think that it's a very confusing, this, do I want to have like a, my CIS benchmark on 100%? Do I want to do cloud identities? Do I want to manage network exposure? Do I want to do secret scanning properly? Like there are so many things to do. And in order to address this, uh, we need to really not think of it in terms of which domain is more important than other, because reality is that all of them are re- very important, right? And we need to be able to step uh, uh, back one, like, and really look at the bigger picture and ask, where do I have the toxic combination, the full attack base, right? And where do I have areas that I simply have to act, up, act on and remediate now because they really create a, a risk to the organization? And then when you know that you've got control over the critical risks, the toxic combinations in the environment, then you can actually clear up more time for, I call it like planned security improvements. Mm-hmm. These identity hard, uh, hardening or, or right-sizing, the network exposure elements, the configuration baselines, and so on. But first, you have to know that if you have something that is really bad right now in your organization, you will be able to detect it before the bad guys do. And that's a, 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 a key challenge that we have that ties into the visibility aspect, but also about how do you prioritize the actual work? Yeah, so, so I, I, I you probably saw me smiling uh, during that. Uh, so yeah, we had uh, my previous role, I ran a security operations team in DocuSign for a couple of years. And then before that, I was in eBay, but we had a, a couple of incidents related to that where people would be, like they'd start it and not necessarily an experiment, but they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to roll out something over here and then everything will be rolled out. Uh, but you know, a, a side project becomes a big project. And then after it becomes a big project, that's when the security team will be informed. And that's when we'd be like, well, actually this is going to have to be burnt down to the ground and started up again because it wasn't secured in the first place. We didn't know anything about it. And yeah, there's been, you know, issues that have happened, uh, happened during it. So it was, uh, it was hard. But it's, yeah, I suppose establishing that visibility at the pace of the business was something we learned we had to do, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, pretty quickly. Otherwise, we were, um, yeah, we were always on the back foot. You're always fighting incidents. And that's absolutely not what security professionals ever, uh, ever want to be doing. Um, so one of the things, uh, I suppose, that we, like, that, that you've talked about there is that, like, is that self-service model to help people, like, promote security operations teams, like, Help, I suppose help help them interact better with the uh, yeah with their peers. Can can you dive into that a little bit more? Like, so what what does self service mean to you, and how can they how can they use that effectively? How can they bring people along in the journey? Yeah, I think that the role of security is really changing from uh, um, in the end from the uh, doing the operations directly, so being the uh, operations to orchestrating the operations, mm-hmm. and I think this is. Uh, uh, Big transition that actually delivers security to every every uh, uh, piece of the organization, and in order to do this, I think that uh, security has to be very clear about what they are asking uh, yeah. different teams to do uh, when it comes to security. The more clarity you provide to the organization on what they are expected, the better the organization becomes, and it brings them into the circle. Because I think that in the end. It's all about, one, enabling the organization to make the right choices, and second, bringing them the information when they need to act upon it. And when you get these two, um, I think that there is a magic 
magic happens in the sense that you get into an operational model when the organization starts doing security native, right? And <laughs> without you uh, as a security team pushing all the way, uh, trying to, you know, hey, you need to do security. Hey, you need to do security. You are actually bringing it, ingraining it into the processes of the organization. And that's what the self-serve is all about. Self-serve means that uh, over time, you're equipping more and more of the teams uh, to understand security and make right choices and providing them the information they need to make the right choices. So you don't need to be part of that process because you cannot scale uh, with the rest of the organization if you keep doing that. And that's why when we think about self-serve, I think it's a critical capability to have in literally every, every aspect of security. I can always identify secrets that are... So let's take a very exam simple example, secret mm -hmm. scanning. Don't use exposed secrets, okay? That's, that's a very simple rule, but hard to implement, right? Yeah. And now we need to basically, one, explain to the teams why they absolutely shouldn't push secrets to anything because they never know when it's going to be exposed. Second, we need to provide them with visibility to where do they have exposed secrets now. And then out of this visibility, because they may have thousands of thousands of secrets there, you need to tell them what they really need to do right now to be more secure. So you need to prioritize the call to action and crystallize. This key is an admin key that gives you a cross account from your dev environment to your production environment. It's a big no-no. You have to clear this up today versus the thousands of keys with, that we found. So these are the steps that we have to take as security in literally every domain. And we need to be able to uh, do it in a self-service model that in the end, this, the engineering team just logs in. They see here are the critical things that I really need to do right now. And I get it. There are all of these that I need to do over time. And now that I know that I have monitoring, I won't do it next time because I learned, right? So this is how I, we think about self-service in the uh, greater schemes of things. And of course, it can be applied to any domain. Yeah, so I really like abilities it. And so on. Uh, so, so like... I, my, one of my questions was going to be like, what do you think security operations teams or what do you think the, the security landscape will look like in five years in five years time? But I presume like that self-service model is going to be a huge part of it. I suppose, where, where are Wiz going then? I suppose, how are you incorporating that into your product product vision without revealing any secret sauce here or uh, or anything? Like, where, where do you think, or I suppose, how do you think it, the product is going to evolve over the next few years to get to, to help that? Yeah, I think that... Um... The direction that uh, at least I'm seeing uh, we're heading to is how do we uh, crystallize the actions uh, for uh, the builders, right? For those who are making uh, the initial mistake at the earlier uh, uh, phase of the development mm -hmm. lifecycle. The reason why it wasn't uh, like achievable until today is that in order to do this, you need to really understand one, the context that is in the runtime and not at the build time. So you need to have really good context. And then you need to have a really good cause, uh, root cause analysis, right? In order to uh, uh, point you to yeah. the right location. So over time, where I'm seeing the security industry um, and, and with included, right, is as, 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 an, as, as an employee in the organization, doesn't matter if I'm a developer, I'm an end user, what are the very concrete actions that I need to do to be more secure right now. And if we are able to orchestrate in an accurate way 
that that like that specific answer to everybody in the organization i think security operations will be so much better <laughs> moving forward because it allows us to build secure by design systems finally because we get to the people that are at the core of the systems and we make them uh, do the right choices right so over time i think that reduces so much of the overhead later downstream and that's where we need to focus more and more yeah stitch in time saves uh saves nine yeah you're preventing yeah by enabling the engineers by enabling the developers to yeah to self-serve you you're preventing those incidents in the future and keeping uh yeah keeping the security industry in the security of the company much uh much safer and um, i want to dive into uh something that you talked a little bit about earlier which is the importance of a team you said you spent you know 20 years uh i suppose 20 years in like with the same yeah with the same team at the original i suppose the original idf uh idf team and like obviously developed a huge amount of uh huge amount of trust with them and like i think everybody must understand i, I spent 10 years working with my uh my co-founder own we understand our roles but what i suppose what lessons can security teams learn from that close relationship and that trust that you have built up over the last uh over the last 20 years with your colleagues um it's a great question i think in the end uh, security and team building rely and everything in the end mm-hmm. uh, uh relies on one concept, trust, right? How do you build uh, trust? Uh, How do you uh, maintain trust? And I think that uh, when we look at the team, uh, the ability to, of course, like know uh, uh, each other and uh, know that, you know, see where our, you know, who's doing what in the company and what the roles, that's the the first layer of it. But the underlying, um, I think the, the underlying layer is how do we use each other in a way that builds a company as a team, right? And how do we make each and each one of us better uh, by leveraging uh, others in what they are uh, doing better, right? And uh, as how do we improve ourselves as a company? And I think that uh, it's about the trust, but it's also about uh, knowing what we're good at, what we're less good at, and uh, taking advantage of the team in order to really build an excellent uh, team moving forward. So I think that for security teams, that's also something that we have to bear in mind that we need to always understand who is on our team and how can we operate together in order to become better and stronger and how can we bring more and more of diversity, talent, uh, expertise, into the team, so we can do it as uh, to, so we can do it together. And I think that that's uh, in the end uh, the story. And of course, um, trust is everything, right? Uh, so when you operate as one team, and you know that you can trust uh, uh, each and each one of the team to uh, run as best as they can, uh, I think it drives uh, magic in everything you do. I love it. Yeah, and uh, you, you touched on another issue there. I I, uh, I have a note from a previous interview that you were. Um... That, that that you did where you, you were talking about the import, importance of diversity uh both in like in startups but also in the in the security space um that you saw i think the, the quote that i have is that overcoming biases starts with the recruitment process making sure that the pipeline is diverse enough uh yeah. and it's really important to be uh, i suppose open about the challenge and the um yeah i suppose the opportunity for uh for having diversity in your uh in your organization what what are wiz doing in i suppose as a, as a co-founder what are wiz doing in uh 
like to promote that and ha- trying to address that in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think diversity in the end, uh, I mean, we can look at the pipeline, but it's all about learning to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the ability to listen to each and each person in the organization, regardless of what's their background, where they came from, what their expertise, to listen and really intake what maybe they have to share with the broader team, what insights we can gain uh, and learn from. I think that that's the beginning of uh, creating a diversity, uh, a diverse and uh, inclusive uh, environment, uh, because this is where it allows people to bring their, you know, their best uh, mm-hmm. into every, in every and every step that they take, right? And we want to make sure that people feel comfortable making, uh, like, really being at their best. And I think that that when you create a culture that is. Uh, truly listening, not listening as a checkbox, but truly listens and uh, able to learn from each and each individual. Um, this is where uh, it becomes naturally a, a more inclusive place. And then it drives, uh, I think, the ability uh, to look at the pipeline and include the, uh, like, make sure that you have uh, diverse backgrounds in the pipeline and that they are coming into the company and that you keep pushing on hearing or, or listening to more opinions. Uh, it cannot be underestimated how important the diversity of the organization is in order to understand different perspectives. And I think that it, I think that basically product teams uh, as, as a product leader, right? So my role is to listen all of the time. My role is to listen to customers, uh, to partners, to uh, wizards uh, on what they experience, right? in order to continuously intake and learn what, where do we need to go? What do we need to deliver? And this ability to listen, of course, it goes uh, to the company employees for uh, uh, making it more diverse and inclusive, but also I think it goes uh, for uh, customers when uh, we think about, you know, where the product should go, what is truly important for them. And I will tie it back to the first question that you had. That's why we pivoted. Right. That's why we pivoted because we we had a great idea. You know, we were bought into it, but through listening to customers uh, and also to uh, employees in the company that said that you know maybe maybe there are other directions we can take. This is what led us to uh, basically pivot very fast. Yeah, that, and again, just going to that uh, that traction interview was it's absolutely fascinating. You talk exactly about that. You talk about the importance of listening, but also like listening to, you know, listening to VCs for what they're uh, they're looking for and uh, what they yeah. uh, what they want, I suppose. And um, yeah, that's a it's yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great insight, and it's clear that it's a, a very important part of yeah the culture at Wiz and obviously your uh, your own experience. As is the last question from for me, I suppose is like what what advice would you have for so security professionals, uh, this could be security professionals that are like starting their journey in um, like, you know, joining, you know, uh, Fortune 100 companies, joining like tech startups, uh, like fast growing uh, or it, like people that are, you know, tempted to uh, tempted to do what you've done and, you know, say, hey, like I'm, I, I want to I want to start my own company as well. But what, what like is there any advice from your career that you'd be like, actually, this is a this is one thing that's super that's important that stuck out. I, I always be I give what, you know, uh, one advice is be curious, right? Yeah. Be curious about everything that, you know, 
be curious about people, be curious about their challenges, be curious about technology, be curious about how they approach solving their problems. Like uh, curiosity is what really, I think in the end, uh, uh, fuels us to, to learn, to explore, to, to innovate, try right? to build. Mm-hmm. And I think that that curiosity is something that uh, 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 we should never lose, uh, right? And uh, always ask more uh, uh, about Uh, you know what what you see and try to really understand what's at the core of it and you know I'll tell you a story uh, one of the first experiences that I had at uh, Microsoft uh, was meeting uh, Satya Nadella the CEO of Microsoft wow, yeah and the one experience uh, that I remember that he was genuinely curious about what I had to say about you know cloud security it's you know you wouldn't think it's like the the top of mind uh, uh, you know for what a principal PM has to say but his curiosity into what uh, uh, we had to say about everything this is like really was inspiring for me to see uh, that you can keep that curiosity going uh, uh, into any topic everywhere and uh, no matter like how how many things you have on mind you can always be curious about uh, what uh, uh, people share with you and learn from it so you know be curious I love it yeah it's also a really good uh character trait of any security uh sec- yeah, security analyst or security engineer that they're like ah something's a little bit on yeah, exactly. here or something I need to I need to dive in here there's so like that curiosity and that tenacity to just keep on pulling at the strings is uh it's really important if you uh yeah if you if you, if you want to learn and if you want to want to grow and grow in security so yeah it's a great uh it's a great answer and you know that this was absolutely fab thank you so much for joining me unfortunately that's all we're gonna gonna have time for today and um, if um if people want to follow you follow your career uh follow Wiz, what's the best way to what's the best way to do it uh, on LinkedIn uh, on our Wiz blog I publish uh, quite a lot there uh, on uh, and on my LinkedIn account feel free to add me uh, in on Costica thank you so much for joining and I hope we have you on again in the future thank you very much for having me thanks for listening to the future of security operations podcast by Tynes if you enjoyed today's show please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple podcast or your preferred podcast platform for additional episodes visit tynes.com slash podcast And if you'd like to learn more about how Tynes Automation Platform can transform your security operations team, visit Tynes.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode.